I, well, here's so what's funny. I told Rob, I took a bunch of NyQuil last night. So I woke up this morning. We got the dog. I had to walk him and do this shit. And I was working. And around noon, I ate lunch. And I'm like, fuck, man. My head's fucked up. I'm going to take a nap. I took a nap. And my, my nose had been bleeding all day yesterday. So I, my shirt was like covered in blood. And my face was all like old nose blood. Whatever. And so woke up, worked, took a nap. Got up about an hour before I had to go get my daughter, whatever. Just doing work bullshit. And I go to pick her up and I realize on the way that I haven't washed my face and I'm like covered in blood. And I'm like, God damn it. I'm going to be the psycho dad. I'm the one. Who I, hey, I'm here to pick up my daughter. I'm sorry. Are you all right? Do you need to go to an emergency room? Nope. Nope. This is just me. Yep. Just I just happen to be playing the American Psycho soundtrack in my car. I was doing syrup drugs. I'm fine. <laughs> just playing syrup. some Huey Lewis. Yeah. Sir, are you listening to Flash Gordon by yourself? No, it's normal. I do this. It's cool. Flash. Ah. Is Flash. If you if it would you say Flash is is on your top twenty movies of all time, Joe? I would have to think about it. It's that good. It's really good, man. Oh, like the nineteen eighty two version of yeah. it with yeah, Queen as a soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, good, good, good. Is there who was um, the biggest? Movie star in that Sam film. J. Jones. He played he played Flash Gordon. No, the top was is uh, Max, Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. No, okay. no. Uh, this is one of those movies that I know well. I, I would, I would, I would consider it for a top twenty inclusion because it's pretty. It is, it is also in it. Is uh, is James Bond? Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. Kyan Topol. Mm. Uh, Melody Anderson. No, that's oh, a, sure. stars. A, he has a great cast. Do you like Wes Anderson movies? Yeah, actually, okay. I can I can get in. Did Got you see it. the last one? What um, was it Isle of the Dogs? Isle of Dogs. Uh, I have Dogs. not, although I I feel I need to before the Academy because it's going to be best animated. I'm sure, right? Or nominated for best animated. It, it, I I could totally see it nominated. It, I think um I think what I I feel like is my jam this year. My number one movie, my favorite movie is the uh, Spider Man Spider Verse. Really, I just, I, people I love that was it. great. People love. I'm it. a huge fan. I've I've seen it twice and uh, you've seen it twice. Yeah. I've heard it's really it's great. It is really yeah. good. Holy crap! It's 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 totally like different from what you'd expect. They um, I, I think I found like the fact that they really play around with the the story structure and kind of make these like big huge swings. It's um it's just kind of impressive. It's just it's also cool. It feels like a twenty two year old made it. Like it kind of has like the the soundtrack is 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 amazing. I don't know if you guys have listened to the soundtrack. But um, that was a kind of you know because I don't listen to uh to your to your music you're always talking about Joe, yeah. But when I do, I nice. usually get it served to me like in a in a, in a white guy platter, um, like a <laughs> Spider Man movie. I'm like, oh, Post Malone, huh? Who's who's this Blackway character everyone's talking about? Um, but there is there's a song. I don't always the, listen to hip hop, but when I do, it's via cartoon. I think the reason why Joe can't watch movies is because he basically has been watching every bowl game. I'm sure you've been watching. Totally. That's, that's that's also true. You've you've been you've been watching like the the Jack in the Box bowl. I watched the Cheese It bowl. No, I have watched way what more. What was the What was the bowl that was canceled? That was the, the last. It used to be the Heart of Dallas. It was the first responder. First responder bowl. Were you planning on watching it and bummed when they canceled it? I watched it? it until they canceled it. Of course I did. It was great. It was, <laughs> that was going to be a great game. 
That was uh, Boston College against Boise State. Uh, he's like, no, you canceled yeah. my shitty ball uh, game. Well, I didn't mind that they canceled it. They didn't even try to reschedule it. They were just like, screw it. We're, no, done. Just, yeah, we're done. Just pack yeah. it up. Yeah. Whatever. Very strange. That was a very strange approach to a football game. We got your money, 4,000 people who came here to see this. It's so sad. And what's great is you get these bowl directors that make all this money. I don't know if you guys saw the story. It's actually Sean McVay's, I think, uncle, um, who's the highest paid bowl director of any bowl game. Of course to, it is. Just to put on one game a year. He makes more than a million dollars just to put on a game. And it's fascinating everything that goes into the politics of this because they're so horribly uh, exploitative. And so to... I'm- to have a game and then not even play it and say fuck it, all the the corruption's already I done. Pay. I got it in the bag. There's nothing <laughs> totally. left for us to get out of this. I'm changing my last name to McVeigh because it seems like that is the golden ticket to life right now. You get hot girlfriends, uncles get paid a million dollars to to cheat people out of money. You uh, you get dudes hired just by shaking their hand and having a photo of it. Uh, you know you've got a, a scruffy like a little short beard. And uh, the, you know, you go from you go from like college, okay coach, under five hundred college coach, and now if you you know, you talk to Sean McVay about coaching the Rams for a week, uh, you get hired to be the Arizona Cardinals coach because you know the all that stuff. It's awesome. I need to change. The Throw name. in some shade with Robbo. Uh, Rob McVay. Life's changing, baby. Life is going up. You know what? I'll say one thing about Sean McVay that's not perfect. Is the man has a long commute in Sino, the Thousand Oaks? I've done that drive two times this week. It blows. So it blows. you think he has a great life? He he has to drive like forty five minutes to get to work in traffic. No, he doesn't drive in traffic. At least on the way to work, he's spend like hours analyzing. No, what you got to do is take the far five. You get off at the second exit. I've cut it down to twenty eight minutes because I found a back. Like he's got everything. That's, okay. that's actually that's actually me. That's how I drive around here. Yeah. I have every back road mapped in my head. He's got every exit. You can save thirty seconds if you take a left here. <laughs> he's basically the the human version of Waze. Yeah. He's like. You remember Thomas Guides, the old the old mapping oh, thing? Oh yeah, big time. You always had in the back of your of yeah. your uh, your driver's I mean, seat, I like in the pocket. has got. He grew up in where in uh, like Maryland, Virginia, Georgia, Atlanta. Where did he grow up? Ohio. Name it, like, Ohio. Yeah, he was in like Youngstown or whatever. Was he Ohio? I thought he was Atlanta. Yeah. Um, That's where he went to college. So yeah. I don't know where he grew up though. Yeah. So it's like I can imagine he he has like. The Thomas Guide of Youngstown, Ohio. Like said, instead of going to like this street, it's like you go to Grid F four and you make a left on this road. Twenty four C. You want to get to twenty four C and then you're going to take exactly. Grid G three. <laughs> you know, on the on the nineteen uh, the nineteen ninety one Thomas Guide, if you went to page twenty four, you go down to Grid F three, you're going to find a Taco Bell. You make a right, right three, <laughs> three miles down to page twenty-five. Grid F two. There's going to be a homeless guy. You give him a dollar. <laughs> yeah, he's going to give you a riddle. Now I got the answer. Now look, that he's homeless guy. Look, uh, we got a lot of respect for homeless guy. He's done a lot of good things, but you know, we just have to make our commute. We just have to follow our game plan. We'll be fine. You got to appreciate a guy who, like, you know, he'll he'll, he'll sleep in that abandoned car and he'll give out the directions. He wears the blue Nikes. You, you can't. It's just everything. The guy is just, it's not the McVeighism. <laughs> Over the league. Christian <laughs> Radio, what's up, everybody? All right. It's your boy, hey. at 3K underscore. Talking about McVeigh and homeless people. 
Robbo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, man? What's up is that I am actually plugged in with electricity in the homestead and I am on the pod tonight. We have a so that bit is of a, a battle. Step up. A bit of a battle between who had it worse, between you with your power out and Joey at LA Rams, Rams, Rams. What's up, Jerk? Yeah, my jerks. You got flash floods and mudslides. So you got you got Robbo without power, Joey without flash flood with flash floods and mudslides. Between the two of y'all, y'all got a John Cusack uh, disaster movie. No, no, no. What it breaks down yes. to is Rob Morgan had Freeman. 80 mile an hour winds come through and knock out 300,000 people without power, and LA got some rain. Oh, we need a one up battle. And wow. they are Rob. equally terrible. Rob. I am. I almost died on my birthday, Rob, no, because of the weather. <laughs> here's here's what happened. I'm gonna lay the scene. We're on the 101, and we're going towards Thousand Oaks, and we're gonna go to dinner in Malibu. We're gonna go to Nobu. Love it. Nobu. And you got to get off this exit, and it's one of those kind of like curvy, curvy roads for like 25 minutes before they kind of end up in Malibu. And so we're driving. And the whole car just starts beeping, just the, the Apple Watches and the iPhones and whatever whatever else in the car. And it's just doing that kind of sort of like, um, like the meh, meh, meh. And it looks it's like flash floods. Morning. And then we looked at and, and there was mudslides on the road and cars were getting stuck on the road and they were having to be like rescued. And um, and they said they're like, you can, you know, like, like one of the most common ways to die in a flash flood is like, you know, flood drowning or whatever the way that they're trying to scare you. But, um, and so they basically were like, you know what, if you die in a flood drowning accident, don't blame us. Cause so we Apple turned around to warn you. We so you never we made it go. to Nobu for your birthday. We, I decided not to, but I looked it up and there was the roads were blocked. So I would have, I just got stuck and stupid traffic, you know, like the one lane road. Um, Sean, I don't want to do that Sean shit. Sean McVay definitely no. has a plan B. Like, hold on. Got a, got a motorized paraglider in the trunk. Let me just fire this guy up. We'll be there in 18 minutes. It only adds two minutes. <laughs> I honestly believe that that has happened in his life. Um, the man probably wears a lot of silk shirts when he's out in the town. Don't you think McVeigh's one of those guys that has a, the button-down silk oh, shirt yeah. tucked into? Is there a chain you know, involved? Is there a chain? I think he has a very modest chain. Is like, it like a gold a, rope? Yeah, and he just always tucks it in. Or maybe it has like a cross or something. or like Something is like mom gave him, you know. When Veronica like, likes graduated. a guy with a chain. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get oh, high points. You got, you got to have the chain and the silk shirt with the unbutton. Yeah. What does Sean, what does Sean McVay go for dinner? What's his what's his go to dinner? I think that he probably He's from Ohio White Castle. He probably goes to cheese. I think he I think he goes to Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> California Pizza Kitchen. Yeah, I think he's a Cheesecake Factory guy for sure because it has a menu that's like a playbook. You know, like oh, with the Cheesecake Factory menu it's has like fifty five pages, and it's like yeah, and a little, it's like a binder. And he's just like you know when you when you when you look at an entree like the like the chicken parmesan, you really you really have to respect what it did. I'm going to order that. Now the bigger question is, at his favorite restaurant, whatever it is, it's the Cheesecake Factory. Is he? I always get the same thing, guy. It's it's this is my go to. It works. I'm not going to switch it up. That's not like one day I'm going to get the chicken parm, the next day I'm going to get uh, you know a, a steak Diane. No, no, it's always the same thing. Yeah. 
He's probably a very boring eater. He seems like a guy that just like wants to just watch tape. So like the idea of food is just kind of like uh, just like it's just like the whole Einstein thing, right? It was like like wore the same thing, so you didn't have to waste any brain power and thinking about what to McVeigh's like, I don't I don't need to think about food. I just want the same thing. It goes in, it goes out, but I could get more tape done. He's watching tape on his iPhone while Veronica's flipping through thinking, does she want a cosmo today or does she want uh something else? Food gets in the way Robo's of football. in his brain. Food gets in the way of football. There's no time for that. Oh, there's no time. Let for me that. do the. Uh, I'll do the water me. chicken. Just one water chicken. That'll be good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Football. Ooh, that's a segue. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. I know I'm going to edit that out, but I'm just, I'm just going to say the three words: Nazi sex tunnels to football. Um. <laughs> Hell of a weekend. Uh, just to recap, since um, there's a good chance that many Rams fans didn't pay attention to all that closely since we weren't necessarily involved. Uh, started on Saturday, you had the Colts-Texans kicking off. The Colts handled the Texans pretty easily in Houston. A little bit of a surprise there. More importantly, in the NFC, the Cowboys got by the Seahawks in a close game that required some late-game heroics from Dak Prescott, and uh, they were able to get it done, which set up an interesting game on Sunday. Uh, but we started off again in the AFC. Philip Rivers and the Chargers went to Baltimore and mm. uh, got a big road win and brought uh, LA's second favorite team out of two. Uh, a, a pretty maybe interesting, third. just about maybe the 83rd out of two teams. Uh, an interesting opportunity moving forward for what they get. Uh, but that set up the big game because on Sunday night, if Chicago were to beat the Eagles, that meant we would play them in the divisional round. But that's exactly what didn't happen. Philadelphia and Nick Foles upset the Bears in Chicago, which means they will play the New Orleans Saints. And the Rams will host this little known team that has very few fans, the Dallas Cowboys. This is Ooh. going to be a kind of a big Cowboys. thing. Um, and really, it came down to. Uh, when you talk about uh, the nature of the playoffs, a a double doinker. I think I think the thing I wanted to know about that, the end of that Eagles Bears game, is the idea of freezing the kicker. I thought I was going to get more of a of a run as, as as being a narrative about how just that that whole thing is kind of a, just a a little bit of a of a weird cheat gimmick as part of like the NFL right now, and I and, I, and I'm curious if if they're going to try to implement more rules that just Gotta stop this whole deal of freezing the I kicker. Not. No, I think they. Well, like do you? It. Go- okay, I don't like. I mean, I don't care either way. But uh, I think I think people like it. And I think the league likes. I it. I like it. Here's the one that I don't know. If, if you've got if you've got at least one timeout, you have to take one. What's always fun is when you have more than one. Like, do you take? And it gets really arbitrary because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, people try to ice kickers all the time, and it doesn't work. And sometimes you don't have any timeouts, so they miss it. And it's pretty arbitrary. But like, you, you see the coach like, is he going to take the second? Ooh, he's not. Like, like the the logic of it doesn't make yeah. any fucking sense, which makes it awesome. And was he yeah. really iced? Because I think we learned that there was a finger in the ball, which yeah, exactly. probably caused the ball to go off. Did he really it get iced, a- or did? It was yeah. officially. Or did you ice? The, did you ice the guard who allowed the penetration for the block? I think it's just you know that yeah the play has just another chance to yeah to fall apart. He made the first one on, on like when they called time out, he put it through the uprights, and then I mean he's got to go back and reset it up, and the guard's like, man, screw this, That's some crap, 
and he doesn't get off the ball when he should, and someone comes through and gets a finger on it, and the guard, the, the left guard got, got iced. It wasn't the kicker got iced. All right, Dirks, I got a question. So you're watching that happen, and you, you see him kick the first field goal. Did you want him to miss it? I mean, yes. What, the whole oh, time you, you wanted you are the the Eagles to win, right? Why, Robert? Yes, I was actively I was actively rooting against the Bears. Oh, because you um, want your I thought you wanted your vengeance, though. I want I want my vengeance against Sean Payton, and the easiest road for, in my eyes is oh. for Dallas, not against the Chicago, <laughs> Chicago Bears defense. <laughs> you're really so, took you're so petty. You have a vengeance hierarchy. I want my vengeance <laughs> against the Bears, but I want my vengeance against the Saints more. He is like Arya Stark before he goes to bed. He just has a list of the teams he wants vengeance. He she just goes Sean Payton in the New Orleans Saints. Payton, Nagy, Peterson. Exactly. <laughs> the Hound. The Hound, Sean Payton. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, I just I thought the Rams have a better shot against Dallas. Now, they might lose this game. Sorry, everyone. They have a good defense. Um but we already saw what the Bears were able to do the Rams, and it's really the only team who's able actually been able to really control, really stick it to that Rams yeah. offense the entire night. I mean, yeah. we've seen we've seen parts of uh, games where they're just not sharp or they're not doing their thing, whatever. But they they, t- they tend to figure it out and still score twenty, twenty five, whatever it was, seventeen. They scored nine. Now the Rams, luckily, their defense showed up that day as well and and kept it close, but. There was never a doubt. I mean, I shouldn't say never a doubt, but at any point, did you guys think that Chicago Bear game? Yeah, we got to figure this out. It's going to happen. No, you're like, God damn, can we get lucky and pull this one out? Because they were just, they were the only team who was like, all right, this this defense is is legit, and it's just, I would rather not see them. I'll take my shot against the Cowboys or Seahawks. That was my thought. And then, I yeah, but I, I felt like. The game that I felt like they were really out of it was the game that they played against the Eagles. I guess that wasn't necessarily because it was the Eagles. I just think they just had a bad game. And they, and they but with them back, though, I just and even when they were down twenty-one to the Saints, where you're like, "Wow, they're totally this game is just awful." I mean, I just kind of felt like they could figure it out. But the the Bears game, I just thought this thing is this is ugly. You didn't feel that way? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I did. I mean, I think all of their losses were were ugly games for them. It wasn't like they were killing it. You know, you, you could you could make that argument with the Kansas City Chiefs losing to the Rams on Monday Night Football year, but like, well, it's not, it's not like the Chiefs played bad. It's just somebody had to win that game. But I think the games that we lost, it wasn't like, oh, we should have won that game, but like, you know, the refs screwed it up or, you know, something outside of their control happened. I think it was more like, no, they just didn't didn't play as good as the other team did. Would you guys think that just of the three losses for the Rams this season? Do you felt like they deserved those losses or do you feel like it was kind of, you know, a bad beat? I think just the bears was the one where I thought, all right, this was, this was one where they just got, got handled. They, the offense really was handled. Um, yeah. The saints game, you know, they, they were down, but they came back and, and the bears game was like, yeah, this, and, but the Eagles game, I mean, they, they had a ball in the end zone with a with a good look to to, to tie the game late. It didn't happen, but you know they were able to they were able to come back even throw even though it was kind of an ugly plotting game. It wasn't really great. They had a few of those this year. You know Detroit was an ugly plotting game, and they kind of pulled it out in the fourth. We've had a few of those things where they were tight, like pretty games, like Kansas City and, and the Vikings. It was just a shootout back and forth. The Bears game was just the one yeah. for me where I was like, all right, this one, they just were not going to win this game. It just 
from the cold and all the other crap that happened with the Jared Goff. How many how many turnovers they have in that game? It just was, it just felt completely. They they just weren't in it from the start. That was the only game for me this year. So that's why I was I was kind of pro Eagles. In I think that the, one. probably the um, loss that I thought was most indicative of the Rams this year, and it still stings, is Baltimore Ravens week one of the preseason. Brandon Allen was ten of fifteen. <laughs> Justin David, Nick Holly only it's got true. two yards rushing, and Fred Brown was our leading receiver. We just couldn't get it going that day, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think that this is our chance to avenge that game this week. I think that's what everybody's going to be talking about is our chance to avenge week one of the preseason. I, I will say this. That I think the main reason I wanted Philly to win this is because Nick Foles confuses everybody, and he continues to, and I love it. It's beautiful. It's That's beautiful for the league. <laughs> I mean, it's story everyone's talking about what's the number one story people are talking about right now is it nick Foles or carson wentz next year they're not even talking about the playoffs right oh. now it's it's i heard so much of that should they trade i mean it's, every time he wins a playoff game it's it's another nail in carson wentz's coffin well i'm just gonna say about the eagles i mean they, they're kind of playing like super bowl champs right now and there's something about them even though that the sixth seed is they're they're almost like a really bad poker player with a lot of money that they're maybe going to look stupid a couple of times, but I think Doug Peterson coaches in such a way that he just takes these kind of just wild, bold kind of chances, but sometimes they're sloppy, but um, right now they're just, they're kind of on a hot streak. So I, th- I think that's the type of team that you kind of want to stay away from because you're just like, oh, there's a chance we could beat them by 20, but there's also, you know, another scenario where they're just playing out of their mind. And it just, it's just that kind of weird thing of sports when a team's just kind of, they got the right chemistry or whatever. You know, people talk about the Ewing theory with, yeah. with, yeah. uh, with Patrick Foles. He's, it, it, yeah. The, you know, people are saying, oh, it's, it's kind of like now going to be the Foles theory. And you and know if what? they win the Super Bowl, send, I, send, I mean, that's crazy. Send the Eagles to New Orleans to do our dirty work. Go take care of asshole Sean Payton. And they have an axe to grind because you've heard a couple of their players talking about it. If you remember when they played the, the Saints about six or seven weeks ago, right before they went on their little run, uh, they lost handily to the Saints. And they were they were down big in the fourth quarter as a fourth and six from like the 38-yard line. And what Sean Payton do? He throws a dagger and goes for it on fourth and six. Scores a 37-yard touchdown, and you know Malcolm Jenkins is flipping Sean Payton off, and a lot of the players felt like they're rubbing it in. You know, okay, but now they now they've got a little axe to grind, and that was Carson Wentz in that game, and now you got Saint Nick in there with his magic. Uh, they're like you said, they're a different team, and they actually play a little different offense as well. With with Carson Wentz, everything goes through with Zach Ertz, and now if you watch Nick Foles, he's he loves himself some Alshon Jeffrey. That those two have a little connection that is it's it's pretty fun to watch. So yeah, send them New Orleans, and if they if they could pull off the second upset, who hosts the NFC Championship game? Hopefully these. I think probably my favorite thing about Nick Foles is that he he's this great little microcosm of all the things that were logically wrong with Jeff Fisher's tenure as head coach of the Rams, where the Rams the Rams traded for him, gave him an extension, played him, benched him, cut him. He considered retiring. Joined the Eagles, won a Super Bowl. That's like the biggest glow up in the history of the NFL in a 12 month period. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty fucking great. It's amazing. And then the next season, he still went back to being a backup. And just the way things worked out, you know, he's the starter again. It's crazy. I, I, I wonder if next season, how much, like if you had to bet $100 on whether Nick Foles was going to be a starter or a backup. 
I, I guess it really depends on how how far the Eagles go. But I was gonna say it depends on what happens, right? Yeah, it's true. Uh, what we also what we also don't know what's going to happen is the result of this one, which was a function of the Cowboys Seattle game. Um, I don't know if you guys watched it. It was a very fun game. It was, I'm sure Robbo watched it. It was his local media game with the Seahawks in it. I did. You had to watch it. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, of course. I had power that day, so I watched it. Do Seahawks games come through even if there's no power? Uh, there, <laughs> they do because my neighbors does, behind me would let me know what the hell is going on. Hook up your hook up your salt sea air get antenna. The, get it's, the, it's powered by sea air. Get the Jenny. We, lots of people in my neighborhood have generators. They just break the Jenny out. You know, you hear the hum in the background. From the, the, Jenny. the Jenny. Get the Jenny out. And so a generator powered by fish. Just <laughs> get the super salmon five thousand. <laughs> it's pow- It's powered by the collective spirit of the twelfth man. It's just, <laughs> no, no, because. Uh, my power went out Saturday night, Sunday morning. That was after they lost. So the twelfth man was drunk and powerless at that point. It was, yeah, which was good. I mean, maybe that. Yeah, maybe some just some drunk Seahawk fan was behind the whole blackout. <laughs> behind the eighty mile an hour windstorm we blew through. I, 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 I don't know your life. I blame that on Seahawk fans. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It was good. If you guys, yeah, you watched the game. It was it was an entertaining game. Close. Uh, the 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 angst and dislike of Brian Schottenheimer here is at an all time high. They is, tried to run the ball. Yeah. They tried Ooh, to run. So let me pull up the not. box score. It, that was that was the biggest issue with the game. Just about everything else went fine. Russell Wilson had a good game. He was eighteen twenty seven for two thirty three and a touchdown, but no interceptions. Dak was twenty two of thirty three. He had that pick, but he also had the touchdown and got a lot done on the ground as well. Ezekiel went off 26 for 137 in a touchdown. Both wide receiving groups. Tyler Lockett had a fantastic game. But really what it came down to was the Seattle rushing game. They ran the ball 24 times for just 73 yards. Chris Carson ran 13 times for 20 yards. Mike Davis, four for ten. Rashad Penny had Rashad that twenty-eight. Had big run. He had that twenty-eight yarder. His other three runs went for one yard. That was kind of the story of the game because they there ran, weren't a ton of turnovers. Was that they just couldn't establish the run and they kept trying to. Half of their season total, I mean, they were, it was cut in half. They were the NFL's leading rushing team, and they were it, held to half of their I, average. I should also say that I, I mentioned that being the story of the game, but also part of the story of the game was the Janikowski injury, obviously. True, but right. that wasn't that big. Obviously, I mean, right. Dak Prescott really the the what I've been hearing here the last few days is you know their defense. They've Bobby Wagner hadn't missed a tackle all year. He missed the biggest one of the night. Allowed yeah. Dak to get down and yeah. and punch it in on uh, in the on the fourth quarter. Seahawks this year, and they've they've Pete Kelly even said it the other day on the radio. It's we want to keep it close. We want to run the ball. We want to shrink the game, and we want to win it in the fourth quarter. They did all of that. They had a lead in the third quarter, fourteen to ten. And they gave up two long touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, which they didn't do really a lot this year. And they lost the game. Uh, it's just what happened. But Dak, what Dak did to them is what I'm fearful of in our game, of him using his legs. Uh, we saw Russell yeah. Wilson do it to the Rams this year. It's, you know, they play decent on the back end and they get out of the rush lanes and the quarterback scrambles and converts a third down. And I just don't want to see Dak do that to us this, because he did it to them. I should, so that's, why, that's my biggest fear in this game. I should mention before we get too heavy into the Dallas stuff, I know they said that Sebastian Janikowski injured his thigh. Um, that's fake news. He actually <laughs> suffered a gluteus injury. And I, yeah, I mean, think that's true because the reason the Seahawks lost was because their kicker got butthurt. <laughs> <laughs> 
The funny thing about Janikowski getting got hurt. The leading up to that game is the news here was Michael Dixon, the the Seahawks rookie punter. He was pro this year. He was punting a lot. He he had been practicing all week a drop kick field goal. He's been practicing and practicing. They showed video of him at, at the VMAC, which is their training facility here. Hey, drop kick from like 35 yards out. Yeah, it's cool. Like all the cool stuff he could do. But when it came down to game time, they didn't pull the trigger on it. And the one thing he was asked to do was what? An onside kick. What the hell was that? Did you see that onside kick attempt? It's beautiful. It was yeah. just, oh, the, the entire city deflated at that point. It was like, yeah, we got a chance. We got a chance. yard onside kick. <laughs> Did nothing. It was beautiful. How much do you think of an advantage the Cowboys had just being at home because they Huge. played so much better? Yeah, they were when better. they're home, do you think if that game was in Seattle, it just would have been a completely different thing? Um, yes. Hard, hard uh, well, I would. Yeah. I think so. I would say yeah, but um, yeah, the Cowboys haven't been good on the road all year, so it's hard for me to say. I think they have. They were three and five on the road this year, right? Something like that. Three and five. Um, I think they beat one team over 500, which was the Eagles. All their games were one-score games. They beat the Giants, and they beat the Falcons, who was 7-9. So I think they had one one winning record. One They beat one team on the road on, with a winning record. It was, was uh, the Eagles. Um, I, they, just, they just haven't been the same on the road, and so that's fine. Yeah, let's, let's bring that shit to L.A. Bring it to L.A. Come on. Well, that's what it is. It's going to be Rams, Cowboys. In the Coliseum, historic game. Uh, great piece from the professor this week for people who didn't see going through the history of it was of Rams Cowboys uh, playoff games over the decades. Uh, and this one obviously is going to be a huge one. Um, tickets are expensive. The crowd is going to. Joey wrote a great piece uh, for people who haven't seen about the idea of a, a home crowd advantage that the Rams may not be able to enjoy because a there are Cowboys fans everywhere. B, there are tons of Cowboys fans in L.A. And C, this is the playoff. And Cowboys fans are going to show up to L.A. in January. It's uh, it's going to be nuts. And it's our L.A.'s culture. It's who we are. Yeah. Right, Joey? L.A.'s culture. Let other teams dominate your, your, your stadium. DNA, as Joey put it. <laughs> no, I I mean, if, if you really think about it, though, like when, when the Lakers are playing um, – I think I think the Lakers have just been in the city for such a long time that you don't have a lot of people being like, oh, well, like I'm a I'm a Knicks fan as much as you do with the NFL. And I really think it's that that vacancy mm. that happened years, first, yeah. you know, because yeah, I think when people even when they moved to LA, they weren't just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to be part of this NFL culture that's going on here. It's like no, everybody just was just liking the team and where they're from. Like no one was adopted. There wasn't a team to adopt. You know, it's not like people are like, oh, well, I'll, I'll root for the St. Louis Rams because they used to play here. You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to do that. Yeah, just the old guys who who held the held the line are were kind of like old old Rams fans, right? Like, ah, I'm still yeah, a Rams but, fan, but for the most part, you didn't. No young kids, unless you had a, a dad telling them they had to be a Rams fan. I was a Rams fan in in 2010. Well, especially like like my age with the Dallas Cowboys. I know in Southern California, there's a lot of kids like in my class that they would, you know be wearing cowboy stuff and a lot of it was because they were winning super bowls and sure. you know they had troikman and michael irvin and emmett smith and that was cool mm-hmm. and they were on tv and there wasn't anybody around and this yeah nothing wrong with that yeah. that's that's reality it's they're building this culture back up it's not going to happen overnight every year and it's, 
it helps when they're good. Yeah. Like they're now you start pulling well, people in, but this, this stuff's going to take a while. It's, it's going to take them to do, you know, be around 10 years from now. We'll start seeing some of that. The Shangri's pointing to how empty the stadium is or how full it is for other teams that will slowly go away and he can go away with it. Well, you know what? I, I wanted to say one thing about what I'm thinking about this game is the fact that if you really just look at the Dallas Cowboys as a team, their run defense is, is pretty stout. And judging by just what's going on with Todd Gurley, where it just he's limited in practice this week, so it kind of feels like he's not 100%, even maybe even close to 100%. Right. So we got good old we got good old Meatball Anderson ready to ready to start or do as many touches. But I wonder if they're just going to even stay away from that, and we just really just give the ball to good old Jared Goff and just. And let, and let the kid take over I have, the I have game. A and... That could be the biggest storyline going into the game is Todd Gurley. Not not just because he's not 100%, and he's clearly not. If you've got a guy that sits out week 16 and week 17 due to injury, and you get a first-round bye, and he starts the week and he's not even a full participant in practice, he's clearly injured, right? Now, I think the question is, number one, how injured is he? Is he 95%? Is he 90%? Is he 70%? Whatever it is, he's going to play, right? He's going to play whatever percentage he is. I think the question is twofold. Number one, do they use him as much as they would if he's 100%? So if, if he was 100% and they were going to give him 15 carries, do they still give him 15 carries or do they give him 10 or 12? And I think the second question is, what do they do with those times he doesn't get the carries? Is that is that where C.J. Anderson gets to run the ball? Or do they pass the ball with Todd Gurley in the game instead? Because we saw games like that against Kansas City, for example, where people were like, why aren't we using Todd Gurley? And I think the answer was probably that he wasn't uh, healthy. And we talked about it, that he got kind of injured in the first quarter. But they continued to play him. They just didn't run him. So I, figuring out that that balance is maybe the most interesting part of the game plan going into this. And they did that in the Eagles game, right? When he I got did. supposedly hurt. Right. He, he he didn't carry the ball once in the second half until they got down to the two-yard line. It was like, all right, let's have him punch it in. But he, he was on the field a lot. They they spelled him with – with um, who else was out there? Was that John Kelly game? And Davis, because they had don't, that's, how, so that's how far we are from. We, when we mentioned John Kelly, he doesn't even get whispered in the wind anymore. John, John Kelly. Oh, yeah, man. I am disappointed in myself. We did, yeah, we've gone from I was John Kelly just to along. Ball. Just John Kelly. <laughs> CJ Anderson. <laughs> he definitely doesn't get a whisper. That he doesn't. CJ. <laughs> CJ. He gets the old Joe no, uh, Joe Boo from uh, Major League Meatball. Meatball. <laughs> that's awesome Joe Boo hey bartender Joe Boo needs a refill yeah fuck you Joe Boo um up your butt <laughs> Joe Boo uh, I, know, I know way too much about that movie uh yeah so I think I think you're right that's the storyline for this game Todd Gurley his health impact and will he just be a decoy I think we're gonna find out where because he can he can gut it out and go if if he's able to right if he's ninety percent he could be play like, yeah. Cut, you know, let, yeah let me go I'll gut it out whatever but it, he might not he's have that explosiveness that you want or need from him right it's just when they're one of those stretch players is he gonna have that one cut explosive enough to get through and get to the second level or is it gonna be just plotting almost like we're watching Frank Signetti's <laughs> offense again it's gonna be interesting and I guess that defense I'm not really I mean. 
their linebackers are fast. And so how much is that stretch going to help them? How much is uh, this? They're all fascinating to me. How much will the jet sweeps work when you've got all that speed on that side, which is almost what the Bears did. They were able to shut it down. C.J. Anderson might be a better fit for this game where it's just this plow it forward. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like the old, what are those things in the Nisqually sound that make that old ocean noise? The horn. Me. And the, and the sea. Yeah, the, the, no, like the seagulls are like. I think they should do that at the game on Saturday. Is just the PA announcer should just just while anytime he runs, just going me. I'll, I'll DM that to JB Long. Hey JB, can you get a CJ Anderson's signature call? something Here, here's one thing that i like is if you if you had told rams fans back in august that we were gonna get a first round value and play in the divisional round everybody would have been like yeah that makes sense but if you've been like and we're gonna run cj anderson everybody would have, wait what i we're gonna we're doing what <laughs> well i mean that's a that's a pretty good backup joe like if you think about all the different options you can have if Todd Gurley's not one hundred percent. Well, I think they would go to Malcolm if he was available, right? I don't think Malcolm's. That's true. Yeah, they're almost the same guy. Just maybe Malcolm might be a little more explosive, but uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too afraid of letting CJ tote the rock. I I really think they're gonna. They should air this thing out, anyways. What, what, what which, do you think which about the Seahawks a game with, tried to do was what? just pound it, pound it, pound it, and it didn't work. When the passing, the passing they did do was working. Uh, they've just refused to, you know, change yep. what they're doing. Sean McVay has shown in the past he's he's willing to just open up and put the ball in Goff's hands and go away from the run. Um, I think. You do, to, do you think you you're going to see more honest, or less? But I think we're going to see more Goff. Um, Timmy God, Timmy Timmy G on our site, you know, does a lot of our video breakdown. Had had mentioned something to me. He's like, you know what? I watched them play the Seahawks, and they, especially if you with that play action, they those linebackers are aggressive and want to fill that hole. They're going to take the step up. You you run a boot at him, you got a chance to hit some stuff. And you know, Sean McVay loves himself a boot, so you get that Jared Goff play action, the boot coming around. You're going to see like the underneath outbreaking routes with a with a, a Robert Woods or someone sliding behind the linebackers. That's that stuff could be open for them. And I think the question at that point is: Do we have pre by Jared Goff or do we have post by Jared Goff? Do we have Jared Goff who's rolling out to his right and off his off his back foot, fitting a beautiful pass into Cooper Cup in the end zone against the Vikings? Or do we have Jared Goff, you know, sitting back there, throwing off his back foot and missing wide open guys by five yards? That's That has to be, that, you know, long and short of it, Todd Gurley or C.J. Anderson, it's Jared Goff is going to win us or lose us this football game. That is the number two narrative of the week. Number two. (laughs) Number coming in hot. Brought to you by Toyota. Toyota, number two. (laughs) But when you look at the tape, Joe and Robbo, I think this is Jared Goff's most important game of his career. Mm. I think it's going to define how we're going to think about the guy going into the offseason. And when we start doing our podcast and we're talking about his $30 million contract, Mm-hmm. I think the feeling that we have after this Dallas Cowboys playoff game is definitely going to be in the conversation. It's going to be the and first thing in the conversation. Yeah, it should be. I mean, okay, but let's say he let's say he plays great and then he wins and then he plays terrible next week against the New Orleans Saints. And it it'll be both. Yeah, yeah. 
It'll be both. Yeah, games. I mean, it, I <laughs> I think what you really need is that first that just that first playoff victory, so we don't know that we're the Cincinnati Bengals. Much like there we just talked needs to be all that. year about Goff needing a signature comeback win, which he finally got. He got he needs yeah. a playoff yeah. win. We need yeah. to advance it one more yeah. step, right? He lost his first one last year. Now he played well enough this year to get the bye. He needed to win this and move it on to the next step. I, I think it's a natural progression. So yeah, I think you're yeah. right. No, I totally agree. I mean, this is it. This is what defines, and and not just for golf, for McVeigh too. This is mm-hmm. what defines, you know. And they're tied. The, yeah, it, it defines people at the the peak of their NFL careers. Is can you get it done when it matters most? And it's great, you know, to go thirteen and three and to get coach of the year. And obviously, golf has gotten some accolades. He hasn't gotten the biggest accolades maybe yet, but those things are great. But they just don't matter as much as what you do in the pre the postseason, the preseason too. I'm telling you that week one loss to the, to the Ravens. Ravens. It's, it's on my mind night and day. Yeah, we got it. We got it. <laughs> But but you know what, Joe? I I have um I think the number three narrative of the week. Number three, but number you three. Hyundai. 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 When you think number three, think Hyundai. Will this game be about Sean McVay versus Jason Garrett? Mm. And is the advantage to McVay? If we're just talking about coach brains and uh, strategy and outsmarting the other coach. Do you put your money on McVeigh every day of the week and twice on Sundays, or do you go with the clapper? Yeah. <laughs> I think you I know think what McVeigh has this one. Scary I think he's a is, coach. You know what it kind of is? It's McVeigh against McVeigh because he he outcoaches yeah. himself so often, right? Oh, how many timeouts is he going to burn in the first quarter? Ah, stop! Oh. I'm a, you, you already got me nervous. <laughs> totally but you know what though? Totally I would rather have a guy whose flaws is he's too good of a coach. Than yeah. a guy being like, man, he's been the coach for nine seasons. Yeah. If the Rams yeah. blow this game, and I'm talking about it's not a close loss or something, but if they if they stink this thing up and they lose by ten to fourteen or more, or whatever, Ooh. how much heat is McVeigh going to take, as opposed to how much should he should he take? I say, if this is you know less than he should, I, I think people give him a pass. But to me, yeah. Yeah, the the get over the hill was last year. It was okay. It was great. We just got there. We had a great season. Whatever. That's I'm over that. It, it's, it has to be about winning it all now. You, this is a Super Bowl. You, they made yeah. so many moves that mortgaged their future with all the trade and all these picks and things like that. It was all yeah. about this season. So you have to grade it on that. I, I don't, you can't give them a pass. It's like, yeah, I'm glad I still have the guy. But yeah. Is he Marvin Lewis? Figure the shit out. Gents, you know we've gone 66 minutes and we haven't even mentioned Aaron Donald's name once. I thought you were going to say somebody else. I thought you were going to say Tavon Austin. No. Well, yeah, there's Tavon as well. But we haven't even talked about the defense and what what's going to happen there. Like, Are they better now that they've played two crappy offenses? Or are no. we just... Game narrative. Number four. I, I... Number four, Saturn. We're still alive. They, uh, they brought in all their offseason moves and the trades in the season. Uh were to bring in guys with playoff experience. They, if you look last year, they made they brought in Sullivan and Whitworth, who have a combined one and twelve record in the playoffs. This year, they brought in all these guys in this twenty wins and nineteen losses. I want to say all the all the different people who've come in, and so everyone who came in this year is, and then most of them are on the defense has playoff experience and good playoff experience. Not 
hey, we're this is Andrew Whitworth's set eighth playoff, and we yeah. hope we finally get one for the guy. All these guys have played in playoff Keep games, one playoff games. Like Tlaib, Anderson, who we just brought in, DJ, uh, Dante mm-hmm. Fowler won two games and went to the championship game last year. So everyone, yeah. Ramik Wilson has a playoff win under his belt. So they, yep. everyone from special teams, Brandon Cooks went to a Super Bowl last year. Um, all these guys have done it. So it's offense, defense, and special teams all have players in that room, in those rooms now that have gone deep into the playoffs. Not the same as last year. So yep. that that was, was that a concerted effort or did it just work out that way? But I don't know. I, I it's it's an interesting thought is to look at the the guys they brought in and how much playoff experience those guys have compared to what they have on the roster from before. It is what it is, man. This is a season that's going to be defined. And it always was. We said it in the preseason, which was incredible. And God, does that loss matter? We said it throughout the regular season, and we're saying it now. There's a team that's going to be defined by what they do starting this weekend and hopefully thereafter. It's a Super Bowl of bus season, Joey. You put it on the site. It was as true back in March when Bate wrote about it, when we were all saying it, as it was in August when we were getting ready for this, as it is now. And uh, this is it. This is where uh, we're going to define Jared Goff and Sean McVay, uh, for better or worse, um, at least for the totality of this year. Uh, moving forward, Jared Goff clearly is going to be around for the next two years. McVay, who knows how long, but... Uh, this is what this season is about, is the postseason run. And between L.A. fans and Dallas fans, everybody's going to show up or show out because this is the only thing that matters right now. Yep. It's, it's huge. The only thing that matters. The only thing. And I think it, in one way, by having a national team like the Dallas Cowboys coming in, it just puts so many eyes on this playoff game. You know, the, like I think when you watch like the Colts and the Texans games, it's like, yeah, if you, you know, from the Midwest and you like those teams, like, okay, you can watch that. But I think this is going to have a much more of a, just a prime time feel of yeah. having these, these, these two franchises playing against each other. And I just think it'd be just so huge for the Rams. They could win this game. And, and, and in a way, this does not feel like a trap game, guys. And the time we finally got our first non trap game for the Los Angeles Rams this season is um they know that they need to win this game obviously and i keep saying it but i think it's the most important game for the mcveigh era because i think latline obviously like every season gets more important but um just going zero and two in the postseason is just i don't know i just don't think that's that's what this team is i think this team's better than that and i think they did they deserve to win this game Man, I have so much editing to do for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Can it be 20 minutes long?
Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.